Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. After an incredible boom in not only demand, but also technology, supply chain leaders have had a lot to keep up with. Many organizations are updating their warehouses or have updated their warehouses and also their distribution centers, and they're using robotics, they're using automation, and even artificial intelligence to stay up with all the orders that are coming in. But of course, there are uses for technology in all parts of the supply chain. And so in today's podcast, we're discussing AI and last mile delivery. And we have two speakers, two guests who are incredible, and they're here with us today to talk about these two subjects. So gentlemen, thank you for being with us. Why don't we just start with the two of you introducing yourselves. My name is Brian Jensen. I'm the chair and EVP with St. Ange Company. St. Ange Company is a supply chain logistics engineering firm. As such, we provide our clients with objective insights into both issues in the supply chain, strategic and tactical. And for the purposes of AI, it touches at both levels. How will AI influence what they can and can't do? What should they position themselves to do to embrace AI as fully as possible? And how should they embrace it given the particular segment of the supply chain? And today's topic, last mile delivery, is something that's much newer, obviously prompt by COVID, and a topic that we deal with our clients on a very regular basis. Jason McGinney, I am Group Vice President with Kenco Logistics. I've been with them for, I guess, until about 15 years. And, and realistically, what I do every day is try to make my customer supply chains better. I have responsibility for all of Kenco's multi-client services buildings, as well as e-com fulfillment which means when you guys order stuff on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, it's, it's coming out of one of my warehouses. And basically just each and every day is just trying to optimize customer supply chains, grow with them, and then make sure that everybody that's listening to this gets their product on time and, and the way they want it. Excellent. Appreciate the two of you being with us today. Let's jump into our topic of AI and last mile delivery, starting with some of the basics, of course. Uh, network design can be incredibly important when it comes to delivery and logistics in general. So. Uh, can you go into a little bit about the role that AI is playing in in optimizing a network? Yeah, so you know that's interesting, and I, and I think network optimization and network design is really going to pivot here in the next year or two. It's kind of stepping back a little bit and looking historically of how the market is or how the market was and how that kind of impacted network design. I guess pre-COVID, you had you know what I would call regional nodes, regional distribution centers across the United States. You know, typically one in the east, one in the west, maybe one in the Midwest, maybe one in the Southeast. And usually product would come in mainly from Asia Pacific, potentially China for the most part. It would come in through the port of LA, may go around to the port of Savannah or New Jersey and come in and then go into those distribution nodes and then, and then go out from there. One thing that COVID taught us was, you know, sometimes long delivery times or long supply chains are not good to react immediately to demand signals, right? So back when COVID hit, you know, the service industry shut down. People couldn't go on vacations anymore. So instead of spending their money on vacations, they sat around the pool, sat in the house or, or wherever the case may be and ordered stuff online, right? So that kind of drove up direct-to-consumer online fulfillment numbers greatly. It created a big bullwhip in the supply chains. OEMs, manufacturers, customers, they said, hey, we're out. We need to order more. So they ordered more from Asia Pacific than they usually do. Supply chain lead time was long. So then they ordered twice as much. And then it created the backlog in the port of LA that everybody heard about. And now today, we're dealing with probably a lot of customers saying, I've got 50% too much inventory. What am I going to do? 
It's going to impact sales. It's going to impact my bottom line this year. So what do we do? I say all that to say AI, I think, is now going to come into the game to start really looking at longer lead times or longer periods of order history in terms of order patterns. Because again, we reacted or a lot of people reacted to a one-year COVID blip, and now it's really impacting them and their overall business. Where maybe if we had AI involved, AI would see that almost as an outlier, let's say, a big outlier, but nonetheless an outlier. And it would have mitigated a little bit of that in in the demand planning and demand forecasting cycle to where maybe we would order more, but not nearly as much as we did because it would predict COVID ending, if you will. It would have predicted the impact of COVID ending on the supply chain. It would have predicted service industries coming back, people not ordering much as online. So those order patterns would come down. And then we may have had not nearly the inventory balloon that we're experiencing today. So AI to me, not only in, in supply chain and network optimization, but just supply chain in general is going to have a huge patch as we come up, especially something about you know digital twins that we can kind of talk more about later potentially, but digital twins and AI together is really what I think you're going to see next in, in the supply chain to actually help optimize the delivery as well as, from a customer perspective, reduce inventory carrying costs, which I think would benefit everybody. Brian, one of the things that we're all certain of is that uh, logistics information can be complicated, sometimes because it's coming from multiple sources, and of course, those sources could be siloed. And so it, it can be difficult to maintain end-to-end visibility on the supply chain. So in your opinion, what can help this? What solutions can help with this? Well, there are no end to the number of collection and aggregation systems available. They're not new but they've been used for different purposes previous to the focus on getting real-time information to facilitate supply chain actualization, if you will, make it sound more important than it maybe is. But those aggregation systems allow you to collect both information from your internal systems, think United Parcel Service or FedEx, knowing when product is moving from one hub to another hub to another hub, so they can communicate that to their customers, but also to aggregate across internal and external systems. Think my company looking into those UPS and FedEx systems, seeing that information, pulling it into my system so I can either relay it to my customer or I can use it to estimate and understand the ETA at my facility. And then I can use my own prognostication systems, my own AI, if you will, to look out and say, okay, the ETA at my customer, if I'm the last mile link in that supply chain, will be at this time or if those parcel delivery companies are making the delivery on my behalf to communicate to my customer, here is your ETA. So there's a whole level of transparency through those systems that didn't exist before. And that's all aside from what I would call custom control tower systems, which for more sophisticated or complicated supply chains, aggregates data from any number of sources for the purposes of bringing it all together to do some of the things I've already mentioned, as well as to you know perhaps Secure freight services, because you know when it's going to hit the port, you know when it's going to be available. I need to know when I, I want to get my Drayman there to pick up that container and get it to my inland facility so I can then break it out and send it to my other facility so it can then be in stock to be shipped to my customers. So those collection and aggregation systems run the gambit from ERP level systems to parcel partner level systems and everything in between. It goes back to the days of SNOP when some folks were collecting history uh, vis-a-vis spreadsheets. Um, and when you're old like me, some of those spreadsheets were actually paper and pencil. So it goes all the way back to the, the pre-bits and bytes days to when we were just using lead and, and tree pulp to do all these prognostications. You know, I can't even imagine what it would take to fill out that information by hand nowadays. 
but while we're on the topic, can you talk a little bit about you know the, the growth and transition from pen to paper to, to digital? Sure, sure. And the pencil and paper was actually pretty awful and nowhere near as good. Lag time, you know, the amount of time between you had the information to make a decision with it was extremely long. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that's changed, the acceleration of data. It went from telephone and fax notifications to the understanding vis-a-vis -vis computer and emails or rudimentary emails before emails were a standard means of communication. So that you got the information a little bit quicker and you could aggregate it a little bit faster to now systems receiving the information, aggregating it for you and giving you output that tells you here's when we think it's going to be there to the next generation where the system is giving another system that output and that system is saying, hey, based on everything else I have to do or this operation has to do, here's where this is going to fall. I might even reroute, change delivery, departure times, move resources around the warehouse because this new bit of information, this new process requirement is work that I have to do that best fits in within my day or my hour or my shift in this area so that I can get all my customers satisfied with all their expectations. And those expectations can be different, which we'll talk about a little bit later based on some of the topics I know we'll cover. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for indulging me. I, I, I think it's important to you know, just pause and recognize how far we've actually come in a relatively short amount of time. Jason, let's uh, toss over to you. In your opinion, what are some, some key ways that AI can help in the supply chain and more specifically in the 3PL space? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing that it can help 3PLs uh, in the supply chain is really labor predictions and labor analytics. And what I mean by that is, as everybody knows, we talk about pre-COVID, after COVID, or during COVID, the, the key aspects after COVID from a labor perspective is there's less of it and it's more expensive. You had the great res resignation with 55 and older age group. You've got the 18 and 24 age group, which has had the lowest participation rate in, in the history of the workforce. So there's not a, a lot of workers out there. And if you look at some economists that are saying, hey, there's more jobs needed or more online jobs posted than there are available workers, right? So if the unemployment rate went down to zero, I think the last number I saw is there's 11 to 14 million workers still needed, right? So that creates supply and demand issues on the labor side. So where AI can help there is obviously the labor you have, you want to be efficient. You want to make sure you've got the right amount in the right place at the right time. And obviously AI can help you do that. Case in point, um, we, we actually used that last year or a couple of years ago to help us predict needed labor and how efficient they would be in a warehouse in Georgia. And as we were kind of running through the analytics and setting up the models and, and the machine learning and that kind of stuff, we actually recognized that Georgia, it gets hot, it gets humid during July, people take more breaks, they slow down. So obviously that impacts labor needs and labor availability and labor efficiency. So we created a, a machine learning algorithm to actually predict labor needs based on volume that we get from the customer. But the unique thing is we actually attached the model to the National Weather Service and it actually looked at seven day forecast, 10 day forecast for humidity and temperature and actually included that into the, to the algorithm to basically when it predicted you needing three extra workers next week, it actually said the reason why is because the temperature is going to be in this range, the humidity is going to be in this range, and based on past models, you're going to need more labor to get your work accomplished. So I think as we learn more about how to use AI and ML in the supply chain space, I think you're going to start seeing more of these dynamic, what I call these dynamic models created and implemented to actually help smooth labor needs and actually put labor where it's needed the most because labor is now a 
very much a hot commodity. And I think most people think it will be for the next couple of years. Well, it sounds like labor in humid weather is certainly a hot commodity. And, you know, that's amazing. Uh, using all the data to link something like demand for workers and weather. So, Brian, same question to you. How, how do you think AI can help in, in the supply chain, specifically in the last mile? Well, there's a couple of different ways, and, and they touch on very different aspects of the supply chain. First, with last mile delivery, you're often doing route stop. It's not just one truckload going to someone's house. As a matter of fact, that would be a gross exception. Um, so route optimization. I have all these deliveries I have to make, and it may not be one truckload worth of deliveries. You could have a depot delivering 20 truckloads worth of deliveries. Well, how do I sequence them all? Which deliveries go on what truck so that I can have the shortest route, the quickest delivery time? The information that you take from that is not just the distance and where those routes are, are geographically located or where those stops are geographically located, but what time of day is it? What's the traffic like? What's the weather like? That type of, I call it external data, has nothing to do with where my customer is, has nothing to do with how many drivers I have on that day. Those are independent variables, if you will, like weather and traffic and, and the time of day that I happen to be leaving. That on the old you know, pencil and paper days, forget it. It would have taken forever to figure out the routes. And by the time you figured out the routes, the day would have been done. Now you can not just figure out the routes, but if a driver suddenly calls off sick or a truck breaks down, you can very quickly recalculate what that route needs to be. So, you know, the computer horsepower, it's not about making necessarily better decisions. It's quicker decisions, more reactive decisions, and having the ability to get back on my feet after I've been knocked down, so to speak, much more quickly. And are there specific examples of where AI can help in supply chain decision making? Sure. It, it does depend on the supply chain you're talking about. Go back to the parcel example. From the time the parcel company takes possession of that package to the time they deliver it, it's all internal. And it's coming from a, mostly... IO devices, even remote IO devices. That was one of the more, it wasn't yesterday, but there were scanners in warehouses reading barcodes and sorting product and letting you know where it was and whether it had been picked, whether it had been sorted, whether it had been loaded on a truck. And then remote IO devices, you, know, you get a delivery now, they scan the box, they leave it at your doorstep. Sometimes they even take a picture now and you end up getting an email with a picture of your box on your doorstep to let you know that it's there. Those kinds of IO didn't exist 10 years ago from stem to stern. 30 years ago, they hardly existed at all. But there's also those external pieces of data. Go back to the weather and the traffic discussion. That's data from outside. That's data you get from available sources, whether it be real-time or historical. You know, Traffic, you can get both real-time and historical data. You know how bad the traffic is at certain hours in certain metropolitan areas based on the certain roadways. But you also can get real-time traffic now. Hey, everybody can get it on their, their iPhone. You pull up your map app on your iPhone, you look at the roads around your house, and you can see, you know, red and yellow shows you where there's a density of signal. So you get traffic input that way. So it's coming from a, a variety of internal and external sources, and the standardization and availability of that data has made AI, or more simply, the decision-making processes of supply chain software, supply chain control and assistance software, so much more effective because of timeliness and because of the breadth and depth of data that you can garner to inform your decisions. And that's really all it's about, informing your decisions and enabling you to make those decisions much more quickly. Jason, exact same question, specifically in the last mile, what are some ways that AI can help? Yeah, I think it gets back to, you know, who's doing the last mile. I think everybody chases Amazon to a certain extent, whether they need to or want to. But, you know, if you're in control of your own last mile delivery fleet, then I think you can track and then bring into your modeling a lot more data potentially than 
let's say if you're using a third party, maybe FedEx or UPS, right? They track certainly a lot more data internally to optimize their fleet, their operations, than they're actually passing back to maybe to maybe a 3PL or, or maybe upstream. But, you know, there's this thing called Internet of Things where there's sensors out there for everything. And if we can start working better together with maybe some of the independent contractors, again, like FedEx, UPS, and we can bring some of their data into the mix, connect it to the, the things that we're tracking, i.e. sensors on our conveyance equipment, knowing that, hey, the sortations occurred, the, the product is now in a box at the door ready for the, uh, for the carrier to pick up whether that be, you know, an, an LTL or a parcel pickup. And then once it leaves, then we have, you know, obviously sensors that tells, hey, it's on the truck and then it gets to their sortation center um, and then it gets put on the delivery truck and, you know, it gets delivered, whether that be, you know, delivery by UPS, FedEx, last mile, or maybe mail innovations or the post office. If we can start bringing all that data together, um, then I think you get a much better optimized supply chain. One thing I think is going to happen in the next two to three years is data is going to be sold almost like another commodity. And what I mean by that is, hey, UPS and FedEx is collecting a lot of data, right? Even cities now that have sensors on the streets are collecting a lot of data. I envision a lot of those companies putting that data up on the market to sell so that we, so third parties can actually go in and attach to that data and use it in combination with the things that they may be tracking and collecting to actually optimize the supply chain, both internally and externally to the fulfillment center. So I think that's going to be the next kind of innovative thing that you're going to see in the next two to three years from a data perspective in those metrics that you're talking about is the sale of metrics from different sources online to where you can actually go out and attach your models to it. Let's turn our attention now to common risks and challenges in last mile deliveries. How do you think AI can help to mitigate and, and, and reduce these challenges? I'll use maybe some examples from peak season last year. Obviously, as we go through peak, the system just gets flooded with a large amount of packages, right? That normally, obviously non-peak, the, the, the amount of packages and, and shipments are a lot less. But if you've got a customer or a group of customers that are using one delivery method, and I won't name delivery methods not to incriminate the, the, the guilty, but if there's no delivery definite or time definite delivery during peak, and you've got this massive amount of packages that get into the system, well, that may be a problem, right? Because obviously if the service you're using doesn't have a guaranteed delivery time and then you flood the market, you're trying to get everything out before a certain date, maybe it's before Christmas, maybe it's before Christmas Eve, maybe it's even the week before Christmas. Well, you've now probably pick packed and shipped a, a parcel that has no time definite delivery. Now the system is flooded with packages you don't know what the impact of the delivery time is going to be, and it may increase at five days, seven days, 10 days, or it may mean that that package now is going to arrive after what the customer wanted, potentially Christmas, which then creates a little bit of customer dissatisfaction. So where AI could come into that is to say, look, here is two years, three years, four years worth of peak season data. Here are the different delivery methods that could exist based on the number of parcels in the system and based on what part of the country you're in. Obviously, if you're in Louisville near the UPS hub, it's going to impact that a little bit. If you're in Memphis near the FedEx hub, it's going to impact that a little bit. But it could then say, instead of having one mode of delivery, i.e. ground, it may say, hey, for these two days during peak, you need to deliver second day air to get that package to your customer on the date that you promised it. And then literally two days later, okay, now you can go back to ground or, or mail innovations or smart post because now you're over that hump. You're using not a human to make that determination. You're using data and analytics and machine learning to say, hey, allow me to go in, 
do the math, know that these days, these times, these places of the country are going to need a different delivery service for this specific time. Let the system automatically change the mode of delivery or the or the other the mode selection. And then after that time, the system, the module, the algorithm goes in and rechanges it back to where it was. That is going to be, I think, you know, some things that that AI will help reduce the risk in the last mile in terms of customer satisfaction. Also, by the way, it'll help reduce the the transportation costs because it's going to select the best method, the cheapest method to get there in the time that it needs to get there based on the committed date and then change it back after the fact. So that's what I think, you know, based on what we saw last year and what I know some companies are working on is what we're going to see coming up in the next couple of years to help with that last mile delivery. Brian, can you uh, think of any risks associated with last mile delivery and, and how AI can combat that? Sure. There are a couple of risks with last mile delivery. I mean, one we haven't talked about and it isn't really associated with the product itself is fraud on the part of a business who fraudulently gets asked to deliver product because of bad credit cards or stolen credit card numbers or things like that or spammed orders. And there is AI. I mean, we all have spam filters on our email. Some of us have corporate spam filters that are very sensitive. And are they perfect? No, but they're there in place to look at irregularities in communication. They're there to make sure they can ping databases that have, you know, invalid credit card numbers. They're there even within your credit card. I mean, who hasn't gotten a notice on their phone or via email that says, hey, somebody just tried to charge $600 at Best Buy in California and all your purchases were in New Jersey and New York, if that's where you live. It looks for the abnormal bits of information and that's the measure of AI, avoiding fraud in the, the last mile supply chain network. The other places that AI physically helps is when you talk about driverless delivery. Just went totally 180 degrees because now we're back on the physical delivery, but driverless delivery, and, and that could be drones. We've all seen the, for the most part, they're newsworthy pieces, not necessarily the world being supplied by drones, but drones making some deliveries to homes. We've also seen driverless cars and driverless trucks and the way they're experimenting with those over long hauls and in relatively unpopulated areas, but they're going to become more frequent. And it's the artificial intelligence in a very extreme fashion or a very extreme version that allows driverless vehicles to function in the first place. So imagine a world where instead of the UPS man or the, the FedEx girl pulling up to your house and delivering your package, the truck pulls up to your house, you get a notice on your phone, you go out, the truck is nothing but one big locker with a bunch of cells on it. You go to the appropriate side cell on the truck, put in a code that went to your phone, it opens up, you take your package out, the truck leaves, and no human being was ever involved except you. I'm not saying that's how deliveries are going to happen, but they certainly wouldn't happen without extremely sophisticated programs and, and indeed programs that you might refer to as AI. Jason, AI clearly is being applied in many places now for a variety of uses. Uh, what do you think the future holds? I think it's going to amplify, right? I mean, I think it's really interesting because right now, if you were to stand back and look 15 years or so in manufacturing, you saw this, what I would call this revolution of sensors in, in manufacturing, right? You had sensors on all the manufacturing equipment, all the robots, all the forklifts, all in, inside the manufacturing plant itself, whether it would be the lights, or the doors, you just had this influx of, of sensors that was then leading into, um, you know, data analytics and, and, and algorithms, that kind of stuff that was optimizing the manufacturing space. And now I, I, I see that starting well happening in the distribution space to where you know, we've been talking about, hey, how does AI help labor planning? How does AI help, you know, mode selection and, and transportation? How does AI help customer satisfaction in the last mile? I see, you know, that expanding to, hey, 
we are starting now to put sensors in the lights in the distribution center. We're starting to see sensors in the concrete of the floor, right? We're starting to see sensors in the racking. The same thing that we saw in manufacturing to say, let's put all that together and go, we don't need to keep the lights on in the whole building. Let's keep the lights on in this section for this period of time. We know that humans are in this section of the building for a couple hours in the afternoon. Instead of running the heat the entire day in the entire building, let's cut the heat on in this section during, you know, from one to three o'clock because we know people are in that building based on order patterns, right? So I think that's what you're going to see kind of revolutionizing the, the distribution space, the warehouse space, much like it's done in manufacturing, just based on need, number one, but also just from an environmental governance perspective, right? We're going to start seeing that same impact in the distribution space. So long way to say what we saw in manufacturing years ago, we're going to start to see again from an IoT perspective in the, in the distribution space. And then again, all that feeding into future models and algorithms to help optimize not only customer service at the end, but also employee experience in the building as well as operating costs within the supply chain. Well, gentlemen, I, I tell you, this has been a rich conversation. I really appreciate it. And as we draw to a close, I want to ask you, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with us today? Brian, why don't we start with you? I think we've covered the vast majority of it. The one thing I'll, I'll leave with the audience and whoever might be listening or hasn't fallen asleep at this point, just like with robots, just like with technology and in, in supply chains, you know, when conveyors and sorters were taking the place of people in warehouses, people were, oh my God, they're coming for our jobs. They're not coming for your jobs. There are plenty of jobs there, as we all know. The employment situation is one that keeps opening and growing, and there are lots of jobs there. It's taking a lot of the jobs that one people don't necessarily want to do or that we need augmentation to to make people more productive so we can get those jobs done more efficiently on top of all that somebody's maintaining and writing and thinking these things up and, and working with these things all the way down the line when the car came out the blacksmiths didn't do as much work but there were a lot of auto mechanics that sprung out of that and you've got the same thing with all the ai applications down through the supply chain it's going to change the way we work absolutely but it's going to add things we need to do in order to support all these systems. So, you know, in, in the long run, AI is going to create a lot more diverse work environment for a lot of different people, for a lot of different applications in far more areas than just supply chain. But since that's what I have all my experience in, in the last four decades, those are the only areas I can really comment on and look at and, and provide any value in my comments. And, and I hope I've done that today. Well, you certainly have, Brian, and uh, appreciate you for, for sharing your insights. Same thing with you, Jason. Thank you, gentlemen, for, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to this installment of MHI Cast featuring Brian Jensen and Jason Mingini. Find out more about future trends in technology in the 2023 Annual Industry Report, available for download now. And learn how you can help power the responsible supply chain at mhi.org slash publications slash report. At MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to the next level of success. Thanks for making us part of your professional development journey.